following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. If you've studied at all, you know that Jesus was not born on December 25th. You know that Christmas is a pagan holiday. I won't go into that today, but let me say very clearly, I don't celebrate Christ and Christmas. I celebrate Jesus, the Christ. And I can celebrate him any day of the year. And if the whole world is open to talking about Jesus as Savior, then I'll celebrate then. I'll be whatever I need to be to lift up Jesus, to lift him up and to honor his mighty name. He came straight from the heart of God. The most incredible, beyond my understanding, miracle, the kindness and the mercy and the the generosity of God I'm astonished. I'm speechless. Jesus, the creator of the world, the creator of the universe, almighty God, became a baby, humbled himself. Philippians, the first chapter, humbled himself to become a human baby, to bring us into his heart. He came from the heart of God to bring us into his heart. That's beyond my understanding. I'm astonished. Now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea. And it was during the time of King Herod, a very powerful, wicked, evil Edomite, descendant of Esau. And then this injection that takes us all by surprise Magi, or wise men, or kings from the east, probably from the area of of Persia, the Iran of today. They came to Jerusalem, and they asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? They saw the star in the sky. They were astrologers. They understood the movement of the stars, and they saw something that astonished them, a new star. And all that they could conclude, because of the way they followed it, that it was the birth of another king, the king of Israel, the king of Judah. And they came to worship him, to bow before him. Now, modern scientists say, oh, it might have been this star, it might have been that star. No. This was an angel sent by God to lead these wise men to Christ the Savior, where they would kneel in adoration, in homage, in worship, before the baby. Now, when they shared with King Herod that they had seen his star in the east and that they'd come to worship him, King Herod and all in Jerusalem, the word spread rapidly. These men, these these men of great renown, 
these very wealthy men have come from a distant land to worship the Jewish Messiah, the King of Israel. And everyone was talking about it. So Herod called together the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he said, Where is this Messiah supposed to be born? What what do your scriptures say? Then they answered, In Bethlehem in Judea. This is what the prophet wrote. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Well, Herod is very threatened by this. He's a part of a dynasty. He's very powerful and very wealthy, and he rules over Israel and over Judah. Well, he and and Pilate, well, they call the Magi secretly to find out from them exactly when this star appeared. Now, what's so strange about this is that Herod tells them to go make a careful search for the child, to follow the star. But he was not willing to follow the star. For all he wanted to do was kill the Christ child. He was a murderer. He was an evil man, utterly decadent, utterly wicked, with no redeeming value. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him too. He's a liar. He wants to murder. Now, there's something else very strange in this story. The chief priests and the rulers all heard about this star appearing in the sky. But none of them were interested in seeing the star. They thought it foolishness. Yes, they were expecting a Messiah. But not a a Messiah of humble origin. Surely Messiah would come marching into Jerusalem with a mighty army. Surely he would show himself powerful. Not a baby. Not a baby born in Bethlehem? But the scriptures say, born in Bethlehem, out of Bethlehem. Out of you will come a ruler. But they had no interest in going with the wise men to see the star. Or they too would have been led to the place where Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus were staying. They could not be bothered. They had a full agenda. They were making good money. They'd bought their positions from the Roman government. They were compromised utterly and completely. They were wicked men. And they had no interest in the Son of Righteousness. So they would not even go with the wise men in the night to see if the star was shining After they'd heard what the king had to say, they went out that night, and there the star was in the east. And it moved, traveling ahead of them, guiding their way until that star actually stopped right over the place, the house, where the child was. Joseph had found a house, probably one to rent. Jesus began in a cave and then went went to a rental house, for he had no money. When the wise men saw the store, the star, they were overjoyed. They'd not made a, a trip 
for nothing. And they saw the star in its brilliance that no one else was interested in seeing. It stopped over the house where Mary and Joseph and the baby were living. Can you imagine the entourage arriving in front of that house, probably on camels, probably a large group? Traditionally, we've said three wise men, but that's simply tradition. It has no basis in fact. It could have been ten wise men. We don't know. Or it could have been two wise men. But those wise men got down off their camels. And they bowed down. They put their faces on the ground. And they worshipped this child. And the only evidence they had that this was the Christ child was the star that was utterly rejected by the leaders of Israel. And it raises for me a question that I've been praying through the night. Have I missed a star of God? Have I missed a sign? Am I right where God wants me to be, doing what he wants me to do? For yes, I too have followed a star. I'm right now doing what I believe the angels at the direction of Jesus and the Holy Spirit directed me to do. But always I'm going back and just checking and saying, Lord, have I missed you? For the journey has been long. He told me when I was nine or ten years of age in vision about a great revival that was going to come, and he showed me the revival. I could hear it. I could see it. I even saw the building that it was going to be held in. That building is now built. It wasn't built when I was a child, but now it has been built, and I have stood in the pulpit of that building. And I'm saying, Lord, have I missed you? I don't know of anything sadder in a man's life than to ignore the star. Jesus came straight from the heart of God. Jesus came from the heart of God. I'm going to do something I don't usually do. I'm going to play another piece of music for you. I want you to hear this. It's not traditionally thought of as a Christmas song. But I want to tell you it is. It's about Jesus coming from the heart of God. It's an old song. It's one of my favorites. I sing it constantly. Listen near to the heart of God. Jesus bless, Redeemer, 
Thank you, Lord. I'm Tiffany Coburn. If you enjoyed this, please follow the link to download my latest music. Well, Tiffany, I loved your piece of music. How beautiful. Near to the heart of God. Have you missed? Have you missed the star of God? that would lead you to the Messiah? I spoke with my my landlord this morning before we got started in the whole process of his advertising and selling the house. He said, I'm very, very concerned because if you move out, then I'm going to have to somehow find the money to pay for the the mortgage on the house. I said, don't worry. God has it all in his hands, and he'll work it out perfectly for you and for me. I've prayed, and the Lord has told me he will do this. So this morning he called me. He said, Ray, you said that God would work it all out. And then he went through item by item. And he said, God worked it all out. Now, this is a man who is not a Christian. But he had to acknowledge today with joy that God worked it all out for him and for me. He didn't miss 
the star of God. Now the question is, will he kneel in worship at the throne of Jesus? You see, we've all had adequate evidence that God is real. We've all had more than adequate evidence of our own spiritual evil and wickedness. We've all had more than enough evidence that we need a Savior. And a Savior, Christ the Lord, was born in Bethlehem. And now the question is, will you be like the priests and the rulers who stood in their pride opposed to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Or will you be a wise man and humble your heart and bow before him and acknowledge that he is the Christ? After they arose from their worship, they opened their treasures and presented Jesus with gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. Incense for prayers. Myrrh for burial. And gold for faith. They may not have known that, but that's what they all represented. And then they were warned in a dream not to go back and report to Herod. And so they returned to their country by another route. And as soon as they had gone, that night the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and he said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up. He was awake. He got up. He took the child, and he took Mary during the night, and they left for Egypt. He stayed in Egypt until the death of Herod, and so was fulfilled what the Lord said through the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. Herod, realizing that the wise men had escaped, sent soldiers and killed every child two years of age or under in that whole vicinity. And Jesus would certainly have been killed except the angel ordered their steps. Do you understand? There is divine direction for those of us from Jesus, who comes from the heart of God, and he will direct our steps if we will wait upon him. Now, in the book of Colossians, The first chapter, verse 21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, some of you are still I'm very concerned. I was up early this morning praying for, for you very specifically. Some of you do not believe that you can stop sinning against God. You cannot stop your evil behavior. And you are alienated from God. In your minds, you are an enemy of God because you believe you're under condemnation and judgment and you can't walk righteous before God. But the scripture says now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free of accusation. That's what God wants to do for you. But will you in your pride turn aside 
It says, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard, and that's been proclaimed to every human creature under heaven. There's a great mystery with this whole gospel. I want to share that mystery with you today. Yes, there's a mystery about the kingdom of God. That is, the royal authority of God coming among men and bringing together the Jews and the Gentiles as one man and bringing all things under the lordship of Jesus. That all is a mystery that the Old Testament prophets look forward to, especially Isaiah even Jeremiah. But listen to this mystery. This is chapter 1 of Colossians, verse 27. To them, that is, to those who will hear the message of the gospel, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. And what is that mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus came as a baby, and he dwelt among us. He arose from the dead. He ascended on high. And now... By the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, he wants to come and he wants to dwell in you and he wants you to dwell in him. We proclaim him, admonishing, teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Some of you said, oh, I can't be perfect. I can't stop sinning. I'm always going to be a sinner. That's only because you choose to walk in evil behavior. It's only because you've been taught a lie. My testimony before you is that I walk in no known rebellion or sin against Almighty God, taking captive every thought, walking clean before God, not walking in lust, not walking in bitterness or anger, not walking in jealousy, walking clean before God by the power of the blood that has washed me and made me clean. Now I preached this in an Anglican church, and the bishop promptly kicked me out, forbade me to ever come on the property of the, of the Anglican church again. because he believes that the blood of Jesus is no more powerful than that of bulls and goats and lambs. He doesn't believe the blood of Jesus can set him free from his sin. But listen, I'm going to read this to you. Listen carefully. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. It is hollow and deceptive philosophy that would degrade the blood of Jesus to be no more powerful than the blood of bulls or goats. He's saying don't be, don't be buying into that lie which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. You have been given fullness in Christ. In him you also, 
circumcised. You were circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. That NIV putting off is a, is a weak translation. A better translation. In him you were also circumcised in the ripping off, in the tearing off of the sinful nature. The sinful nature is to be removed from you by the circumcision of your flesh, done by God, done as a gift of grace to you. I'm not willing, brother, sister, I am not willing to belittle Jesus by the poorness of my experience with him. I do not judge truth by what I experience. I judge truth by what the scriptures teach me. And I come up to that place of the teaching of the word of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And you can too. You are no longer a captive. You're no longer caught in the snare. If you trust Jesus, he will break its power. He will release you from every wicked thought, every lust of your heart. He will release you from every bitterness of heart. He will release you from all sin. Not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ having been buried with him in baptism, raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead, I have placed my faith in Jesus Christ that my days of evil sin are finished. It's done. It's over. I'm not going to walk in it anymore. I'm not in bondage anymore. I'm free. He came to make me free. Not to put me in bondage. Read Romans, the eighth chapter. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can't be in sin and in Jesus at the same time. It's locative. It's, I can't be in New York City and in Washington, D.C. at the same time. It's locative. But Jesus is willing to do a full circumcision of your heart. Will you give up your pride, the pride of the priests, scribes, who wouldn't even go look for the star shining in the dark night sky to lead them to the baby Jesus? Will you let Jesus lead you to himself? Will you follow the star of the Holy Spirit and of the angels of God who are sent to minister to those who are under salvation? Will you let Jesus have his way in your heart today? It's not by works. It's by faith. Righteousness is by faith, not by works. Do you understand? Have you finally understood? That's why I wanted that second song. Jesus came straight from the heart of God. And there is a place where sin cannot molest you because you're hidden in Jesus Christ and he is in you. Is there is there any price too great for this Christmas gift to be received in your heart? Is there any price you would not pay to be released from every bondage and set free? In the name of Jesus. Oh, I beseech you, brothers, sisters, put aside your evil behavior. Put aside your wickedness. 
He says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. For he gave us all. He forgave us all. He removed from all of us our sin. Having canceled the written code with its regulations, he nailed it to the cross. He disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. I lay my life down for Jesus. He's the joy of my heart. I have no interest in the works of darkness. Now listen. Chapter 3, since then, this is Colossians 3, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In other words, after you repent and you've laid it all out and you say, Jesus, come and take charge of my life. Come and circumcise me. Rip off this old nature. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also be with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, masturbation, fornication, pornography, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. In other words, don't break your fellowship with one another over some supposed wrong. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds all of them together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. You were not called to bitterness. You were not called to anger. You were not called to division. You were not called to judging one another and cutting one another off. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let love be a cloak about you. And as you're mistreated, love them. Be full of the joy of the Lord. This is the gift Jesus gave us. This is his gift to you today. I don't care what the sin is. You're going to cause a disruption with other people as you leave your sin. If you're in a relationship where you're shacked up with somebody and you say to them, sweetheart, we've got to separate, we've got to move out, 
we want to get married, let's do that. But we can't continue to live in this sinful condition before Almighty God. We've got to get clean. Some of you are shacked up. Some of you are fornicating. Some of you are doing every unclean thing. Some of you, you're angry and you judge and you're grumpy with your wife or you're grumpy with your husband. You cut people off because you're angry. No, we've got to put all of that away. It has no place in the life of a Christian. The call of Scripture is to be perfect. To be perfect is to stop sinning. I have two precious brothers down in Florida. And they said to me last time we spoke, we're walking without sin. It's such good news that we can do it, and we're doing it. Our testimony is we're walking without sin before God. And it's true. That's how they're walking. (laughs) Is that how you're walking? Do you have the fullness of God? Are you walking in peace and joy? Are you depressed and discouraged and allowing yourself to be pulled down by the wisdom of this world and by the ways of the flesh? Throw it off. Let Jesus strip you of that flesh. Let him do a finished work of removing the old nature from your heart. You don't have to live the rest of your life battling with that old nature, the carnal nature. The scriptures teach us it's stripped off of us by the blood of Jesus. And we walk free. We walk in joy. We walk celebrating day by day the love and the glory and the power of Jesus Christ. Those of you who are on the live chat, are you walking clean of sin? Are you walking free? If you are, testify. Yes, I'm walking free. I left my sin. The blood of Jesus has washed me clean. This should be the normal experience of every Christian man or woman. This is what Jesus has offered us. Are you willing to follow the star? to Bethlehem? Are you willing to bow before Christ who is now ascended to the to the throne of God? Oh, my brother, my sister. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much that he's not going to allow you to be ravished by the devil. He's going to protect you and guard you. And he's going to change you. And family members are going to call you a fanatic. And family members are going to say you're going too far. It's not possible for you to leave your sin You're just like us. No, I'm not like you anymore. I'm transformed by the power of the blood of Jesus. He washed me and set me free. I'm clean by the blood of Jesus. Praise God. Is that your testimony? That's what the birth of Jesus was all about. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. You're welcome to come and worship with us. I'll be in this house one more week where you can come and worship. You're welcome to come. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you'll find our location. I'll be soon giving you a new location. 
You can also give that Christmas gift to Jesus for the work of the gospel. I know you're not hearing this gospel message anywhere else, anywhere else on the internet, probably. Probably you're not hearing it on the radio. But it is the true gospel of Jesus. And if you'd like to give a Christmas gift to support this work of the gospel, then go to the upper right-hand corner and click on Donate. You can also write to me, and thank you for those of you who are, you've sent me cards, you've sent me gifts. I don't ask for the gifts for me. I ask for the gifts for the work of the gospel. But thank you for your love and your care. Write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Lord, would you bless those who listen today with your presence? Will you send your Holy Spirit to lead them into this wonderful gospel of deliverance, this wonderful gospel of being made righteous by your shed blood, the wonderful gift you gave to us when you were born in Bethlehem and when you were crucified on that cross? And when you were resurrected and ascended on high, Lord, thank you. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Jesus, I pray. Amen. I'd love to meet you all. I pray one day I can. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you.